Hi there, I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox, KLW's fab weekly music series all about the art of singing and the best of the vocal music scene from the Bay Area and beyond. Thanks for joining me this evening. Now, I wonder if you can figure out why people are laughing so hard during the following recording of a performance of Old Man River, a classic song from Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein's 1927 musical Showboat. If you've just joined us, hello. You're tuned into Voicebox on KALW. I'm Chloe Veltman. We just heard a bunch of audience members collapse into fits of giggles while listening to a live performance of the classic show tune Old Man River. The reason? The baritone who was singing that song was a woman. Type the words female baritone into the YouTube search engine and you can check the performance out for yourself. Thankfully, things have changed a bit since the early part of the 20th century when that footage was captured. Women with especially low voices are treated with quite a bit more respect than that poor singer, and even reverence in certain cases. On tonight's show, we're going to explore some of the world's great low female voices, from the contrast and quality of their tone to what it takes to sing a low C without causing damage to their vocal cords. With me in the studio to share her insights on this fascinating and little explored topic is the wonderful Oakland-based singer Melanie Damore. Hi Melanie, thanks for dropping by the studio tonight. Oh, Chloe, I'm really glad to be here. This is great. I'm glad you're here too. Singer-songwriter Melanie Damore is a founding member of the Grammy-nominated, critically acclaimed vocal ensemble Linda Tillery and the Cultural Heritage Choir, a Bay Area-based group that tours extensively in the US and abroad. She's in demand as a soloist and as an educator and is possessed of one of the most beautiful, deep and sonorous female voices I've ever heard. Before we get into our discussion, I thought we could kick off by hearing Melanie's vocal talents. She's going to perform for us Balm in Gilead. Are you ready? I'm ready. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my works in vain but then the holy spirit revives my soul again oh there is a bomb in Gilead to make 
the wounded whole. There is a the sing-sick soul. Wow, that was absolutely gorgeous. I felt that in my knees. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was Balm in Gilead, performed by tonight's special guest, singer Melanie Damore. You're tuned into Voicebox on KLW. So that song we heard was so thrilling. And as far as the vocal range goes, it was pretty low down there. But I think you can get even lower than that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought we could try a little experiment. Um, (laughs) It's a little bit gimmicky, I suppose. You'll have to excuse the party (laughs) trick. But I, I, you know, I think I think it would be fun. The main aim is to convey a sense of what we're really talking about when we're trying to define low female voices. So what we're going to do now is play part of a version of the song Shenandoah sung by the great bass baritone Paul Robeson and then if you're (laughs) up for it Melanie and I hope you are it would be great if you could sing the same song at the same pitch as Robeson and in fact even if you feel like taking it down even further you're welcome too well we'll see it is you know late in the evening (laughs) (laughs) let's give it a whirl to hear you away you're all in the river oh Shenandoah I long to hear you away I'm bound away across the wide Missouri wow thank you very (laughs) much for that I, I can't believe I mean Thank you, Mr. Robeson, that <laughs> to walk in your vocal footsteps. I don't know if I can stand it. Well, okay, so you know, you easily manage to match his pitch, and yet, you know, your t- you, your sound is very your sound is unmistakably female. You don't right. sound like a guy to me right. at all, which is very interesting. We'll get into mm-hmm. that in a little bit. Um, can you tell us actually what your range is? Well, on um, uh, very early in the morning, I can <laughs> sing down to a G below an octave of middle C. Wow, okay. Yeah. Several ledger lines below yes. the stave, in other words. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about, uh, well, we'll talk about high notes later, but that's that's extremely low. And um, does it make a difference if you have a, a cold or at different times of day? Or? Um, probably different times of day. I mean, I um, early in the morning, and this is true for most singers, that's, that's when their voice is the most, uh, has the most bottom in it, you know. Um, but I kind of like I hover around an octave below middle C most of the time. It's where I live. Okay. You know. All right. Well, let's just uh, go over the sort of typical ranges, just so people can kind mm-hmm. of orient themselves. Um, 
so you know the lowest female voice in general which is called a contralto has a usual range of G below middle C to an octave above middle C and the typical tenor voice lies between the C one octave below middle C Mm -hmm. to the A above middle C Mm -hmm. and the average baritone roughly from an octave plus a third beneath middle C to an F above middle C so you're actually going even below a a baritone you can yes on good days yes (laughs) incredible without the aid of whiskey without the aid of whiskey no or tequila no no <laughs> so have you always been able to sing in what most people would regard as a male register? Yes, actually since I was very very young and uh I really I even when I went to college actually I was an instrumental major and most of the people I went to college with never heard me sing because I didn't sing. What, what were you playing? I have a degree in flute, piano and music history. Oh, okay. All right. So how did you discover that you could sing down there? Well, the way that it happened, I mean, I, my mother and father, both brilliant singers. My mom was one of the first African-American women to get offered a, a scholarship to Juilliard back in the 40s. Wow. Although she didn't she didn't take it. My mother was a soprano. My dad mm-hmm. was a, a tenor. And she, back in the day, you, you pretty much sold your life if you wanted to be in Juilliard. You did nothing but sing and do all that. My mother had other interests as well. Mm. So she did, she didn't go to Juilliard then? She did not. She wanted to study history, which is mm. what she did. Okay. And then, so she encouraged you to sing? How well, did we that sang ha- all, mm-hmm. the, all the time. And um, and really, playing instruments was really my main thing. And my mm. mother and father, every Christmas for many years, they would give me an instrument. Even if they didn't know what it was, they would <laughs> go, that's interesting. They'd give it to me, and then I'd figure out how to play it. But... Um, I've always kind of had a low voice, and when I was in uh, in high school, I was a president of the band, but I was helping my friend Sunshine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's back in those days. Um, <laughs> we were working on, you know, one of those hippie tunes or something, mm-hmm. and I was playing guitar for her, and she was singing it really weird. I said, maybe you should sing it like this, at which point the choir director at the high school, when I was a freshman, walked by mm-hmm. and said, why aren't you in choir? <laughs> and I said... I'm in the band. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, you know, you're like 14 and you've got this low, low voice and we need really low voices. So that's how it started. Okay. So you joined your school choir. What was it like to be in a school environment as a very low female singer? I mean, did did people accept it? Did they think it was a funny, strange thing? I thought it was very funny and very strange. And um, you know how it is in high school. It can be really scary. People can say really crazy things but this was uh it was just like oh you know that mel she's weird she's got that low voice but you know it was just the way that it was and i was pretty popular in my high school so i didn't Mm. get too much messing around with but there's a a nice anecdote you tell about um doing the solo tenor part in the christmas oratorio oh right with my mother and and dad yeah tell tell us that story i like both they both sang in in the church choir both your parents both my parents my mom and my dad and um, one, I think I might have been 15 or something like that. This is what, you know, I was just, my would sing. And my mother said, honey, you know, you should try out for the first solo. I said, mom, I can't sing that stuff too high. She said, no, try out for the tenor solo. I said, that's one of the men's solos. I said, mom, <laughs> it's like me. Here I am, this 15-year-old girl and all of these guys. Now, mind you, this is also on an army base. So these are all army guys. Oh, wow. And my mother said, just just do it. You know, it can't hurt you. Just get used to doing it. So I auditioned and, and everything, and I did pretty well, and I got the solo. <laughs> <laughs> Me and 
like 10 guys I got the solo. <laughs> my right. father was very proud. He tried, not, he was also, my father also auditioned for the same solo. Oh, and you <laughs> trounced him. I did. <laughs> That's great. So is hard. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me that so many of us think of certain female singers as having low voices, mm-hmm. when in actual fact, they're not really all that low when right. you examine the actual range of that they're singing at. And mm-hmm. when you compare them to voices like yours, for example, mm-hmm. why do you think this illusion exists? Well, Melanie? it's because of the timbre of their voices. Mm-hmm. There are some people that have a, a, a deep richness and a resonance in their voice that makes you think that they're really, really, really singing very, very low when, not, when, it, when it, that's not necessarily so. It's the timbre and the richness of their voice that gives you that illusion. So let's listen now to a few well-known female vocal artists who arguably fit into the low alto category uh, more than you know, can be really considered as mm-hmm. tenors and, and baritones. We'll hear from Cassandra Wilson, Anita Baker and Cher. Lay across the big brass bed. Whatever colors you have in your mind, show them to you and I'll make them shine. Lay lay across the big brass bed. Tonight's episode of Voice Box, singer Melanie Damore is with me in the studio for a discussion about women with really low voices. We just heard Cassandra Wilson with her take on the Bob Dylan song Lay, Lady Lay. And then we listened to Anita Baker with Sweet Love. And finally Cher gave us her plucky outlaw song, Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves. <laughs> now, all three of these song stresses are, are widely considered to possess deep voices. But I guess you would say that the voices we heard aren't really all that low, especially in two cases, at least by your standards, right, mm-hmm. Melanie? How, how, can you tell us about, we'll take each singer in turn, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what you consider about the quality of each of the voices? Well, Cassandra Wilson, certainly she is right on the cusp there. She she has a deep, rich voice. She's got a lot of range. Mm-hmm. And that's where she lives. She lives down there in the 
uh, not quite the nether regions, but she lives right down there. Uh, Anita Baker, because of the quality of her voice, sometimes people would think that she's a low voice, but she's really an alto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she goes quite high in that yeah, song. Yeah, she's an alto. She really she really is an alto, even pushes up against the second soprano. She's got a lot of range. I mean, Sister Girl can sing, no <laughs> doubt about it. And um, Cher. And Cher is Cher. And if you listen to uh, some of Cher's later things, she sounds where her voice is deeper, but I think that, you know, she it's the timbre of her voice. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's the timbre, because she's not a low singing sister. Right, right, right. Yeah, and there's a sort of, as you said, uh, when we were listening, her sound is very much right in the mask, right in the middle exactly. of her face, and there's a sort of a heaviness to exactly. it, you know, especially exactly. in that song. And I think that's one of the distinctions. I think a lot of times people think of low singers as, as necessarily being heavy, and that's not necessarily so. It's really a fullness mm-hmm. that, that, that happens down there and a, and a resonance. And when I'm working, I work with a lot of singers and mm-hmm. a lot of choirs. And, and you can always tell when people who are singing in low part and it gets a little bit out of their range, they think that if they really sit on that note that they'll really be able to get it. And it's like, it totally works the opposite, you know. Yeah, it may, you mean it sounds strangled or it something. It sounds strangled and they're like, ugly. <laughs> like, you know, it, it sounds like they're, you know, they're just, ate something bad or, you know, <laughs> something. So now, in the world of classical singing, there mm-hmm. isn't really an acknowledgement of a, a vocal fach for women below alto, which sort of seems unfair to me when you consider the fact that countertenors, men who sing in the registers mm-hmm. normally associated with female vocalists, are a widely accepted phenomenon. Right. The lowest type of female voice in opera is known as a tifa alt, mm-hmm. which is described as a full, rich voice with an extended bottom range. And this kind of voice is a rarity in opera. A tifa alt duties include only the lowest roles with Verdi and Wagner making mm-hmm. up the bulk of the repertoire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this fach we find the roles of Zita in Gianni Schicchi, uh, Erda in Das Rheingold, Dame Quickly in Falstaff and the Dritte Dame, Third Lady in Die Zauberflöte. Well. Well. Let's hear an example of a true Wagnerian alto now. Here's the celebrated Polish opera singer Eva Podlers as Erda. The ominous aria is Weicher, Wotan Weicher from Das Rheingold. You better go. <laughs> I love her, she's amazing. Polish contralto Eva Podler singing Weicher Wotan Weicher from Das Rheingold by Richard Wagner. Singer Melanie Demore is in the studio with me, voice box host Chloe Veltman, for an exploration of deep female voices. So, Melanie, the, the voice we just heard, you know, which is about as low as you go in the classical right. realm, again, it wasn't that low. It's really, it's tonal quality of the sound. of the word. There's a roundness in it that's... that's uh, that gives the illusion that it's low, mm-hmm. you know? So that's one of the amazing things about the human ear in the way that we hear things. And sometimes when I've recorded things, and there are times when people 
um, think that it is a man. And mm-hmm. I've, that's happened to me a couple of times. And, and they'll go, well, who's, I had somebody tell me, that. who's that guy? And I said, no, no, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Do you find it common in your experience to come across women who can comfortably and sustainably plummet notes more usually associated with male vocal cords? I mean, in your, you know, you're, you're around choirs all the time mm-hmm. and you're doing a lot of singing in your own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it, is it a rarity? Um, you, you will find, I think the, the part that's the rarity is finding uh, low singing women who actually sing solo. Mm. You know, you, you'll always look, a lot, a lot of times in this country, they will use low singing women because it's really hard to find, get enough tenors. Uh, so and primarily tenors, you don't have... Oh, right, many not many basses. But in choir, then you're talking about choirs, choral yeah. settings. It's very, very common. Yeah. Do you think also there's an element of, um, you know, the, the women who have deep voices and sing in choirs, maybe, uh, do you think there's some of them that you come across are maybe a bit embarrassed about it and, and would rather hide in a choir where they can sing in a part of a group? Or, or no, is that... No, I think that um, it could be a combination of the two things, but it's always when I come across a woman who sings really low, they're like... Oh, I'm not alone, <laughs> you know. And there's that certain kind of camaraderie that that happens because a lot of a lot of them don't know where to fit in in, in right. certain choirs because you know they're like, what What do you mean you're not an alto? Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened to me in college when um, I was in music school and every music student has to be in the choir. It's just one of those things mm-hmm. that you do. And I I opened my mouth to sing and the chairman of the department said. Uh, oh no, that's wrong. And I said, "What? What do you mean it's wrong?" She said, "That that's too low." I said, "Well, that's where I sing." No, all women must sing alto or soprano. I said, "Not uh, this one." Oh dear. So so they stuck you in a soprano oh, no, part, no. didn't they? <laughs> they tried to. They tried they to. They tried to. And the thing is, a lot of women that I know who sing low, we have quite a bit of range. Yeah. But it's just not. It's it's just not where we live. So right. after a while, she allowed me to do what I do because I was like, I said, I'm paying for this education. <laughs> Let me sing where I yeah, want. You really, exactly. Do you find that there's been a change in attitude in recent times towards allowing women to sing the tenor and maybe the bass lines? Or do you think that's more common these days than it was? Um, you know, I, I think in some places, depending upon upon where you are. And, you know, for me, I, I had the opportunity, of course, to sing really, really low in the Cultural Heritage Choir, yeah. along with the incredible Linda Tillery, who yeah. also has an amazing range. She does. She is an, she's an amazing, one of the best singers on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it was so exciting to sing with this ensemble, because I actually don't sing with them anymore, almost 18 years with mm-hmm. them. But, I mean, it w- what made the Cultural Heritage Choir rare was that we had women basis mm-hmm. you know um, that we could we could just throw down really hard in that it made it very unusual mm-hmm. um, and uh, at one point we had uh, we had to have a, a substitute in the band and we had a guy but he had to sing soprano parts <laughs> he had to sing the first soprano parts and I could, and that's the way it was and so it was interesting to be at a performance and they would hear this low low voice and they're looking at him but his lips aren't moving <laughs> Where's that coming from? And then they realize, and then they hear this high, high part, and he's the person that's that's singing (laughs) the high part. So, All right, well, let's take a listen now to some women who, like tonight's guest, Melanie Damore, seem pretty happy hanging out in the basement, vocally speaking. Mm -hmm. First up, we'll hear Eastside Barnwell, who you mentioned a bit earlier. Eastside Barnwell. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the formidable bassist from the Sweet Honey in the Rock vocal ensemble. And then we'll hear the Noir Diva Diamanda Galas. And last but not least, Odetta. 
tonight's voice box i'm in the studio with the oakland-based singer-songwriter melanie damore a founding member of linda tillery's cultural heritage choir among other accolades we're talking about women who can sing really low and we just heard three fantastic exponents of the deep female vocal range First up was Eastside Barnwell, the bassist with Sweet Honey in the Rock. We played a section of the track In the Upper Room with Jesus, featuring Eastside on lead vocals, a position which, like the bass player in a jazz band or orchestra, is usually about accompanying other voices rather than standing in the spotlight. The second track in the set featured Diamanda Galas singing Gloomy Sunday, a song <laughs> which was penned by the Hungarian pianist and composer Rezsó Szeres in 1933 and was made famous by Billie Holiday. And finally, Odetta gave us her heartfelt rendition of the Negro spiritual No More Auction Block for Me. Tell us uh, about what we heard just now, Melanie, in terms of the quality of these three singers, their voices. Well, with with Isai, who, um, Isai Barnwell is um, one of the most extraordinary singers that there is. She has a range that goes on for days, but she is she is comfortable down there in the basement and we have actually sung together Mm -hmm. which is so exciting when we first met each other it was like oh (laughs) my sister (laughs) my low singing sister (laughs) it was beautiful Uh and also Isai is uh, now the uh, head honey of Sweet Honey in the Rock and a brilliant composer and Mm -hmm. one of the things that's really wonderful about singing pieces that are written by Isai there are real juicy low women's parts Mm -hmm. Sweet Honey in Iraq, of course, has done many, many of her songs. And there's always this 
cradling bass part in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That, and that's the thing, I think, about the, the resonance in the voice, is to be able to, it strikes a chord in a, in a place that I think is, that immediately can calm down the listener. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I, I do a lot of singing at bedsides as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, there's that certain resonance that, that vibrates on a level that allows for relaxation. Mm-hmm a feeling of, of, of safety and being held. And so that nice low voice down there is, is really something, that's one of the things about Odetta's voice. Mm-hmm. That, and again, it's that richness of quality mm-hmm. um, that makes you, I mean, Odetta is, is definitely in the alto, low alto range, but mm-hmm. not a female bass, but mm-hmm. she has that, her notes are so round and so warm and golden, and that's, that's the quality because there are other people who sing really really low but there's no warmth and there's mm. no it can be kind of ugly down there right yeah i mean i guess i put odetta in this secondary mm-hmm. because she seems she seems like she has a lower mm-hmm. voice more than even some of the other exactly voices that i've heard but oh. yeah i mean i guess I mean, I, she's, again, another sort of borderline singer, I suppose. And then we have D- Diamanda Galas, yeah. you know, who I know is capable of some really, really low, thumping. Right, and right. she hits them so hard yeah. as well. It's a very scary, <laughs> scary low voice, right. that one. I mean, that's not calming at all, right. is it? That's, that sets right. your teeth on edge, that and, one in a way. Yeah, I had the pleasure of actually uh, singing with, with Odetta. We oh. recorded with her on our on our album, Say Your Business, which mm-hmm. is a wonderful album of all of these uh, uh, great collaborations. Uh-huh. And was that a heritage choir Yeah, album? cultural mm-hmm. heritage choir called Say Your Business, and there was some collaborations with oh, Odetta is, is there with us, uh, Richie Havens, mm-hmm. um, Wilson Pickett. I mean, it, wow. just a, an uh-huh. amazing uh, experience. But one of my very first reviews that I ever got, because I'm also a folk singer, when I was very young, I was compared to Odetta. Huh. And I, I really didn't know who she was. I was very young. And, and so it was such a pleasure to meet her many years later because she's an absolute, she was and is an absolute icon. Yeah. Um, you know, considered the whole voice of the civil rights movement. I mean, yeah. um, she was actually supposed to perform at the inauguration hmm. uh, uh, for President Obama, but she passed away in December, I believe, before yeah. that. Right. So that sound, there's nobody else that sounds like Odetta. So, I mean, I, I was compared to her when I was about 19. Mm. Um, and I thought, that that's cool. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's just a wonderful company to be in. For sure. And one uh, voice that's missing from tonight's playlist, uh, mostly for want of space, is Tracy Chapman, mm-hmm. who's another singer who sings in this kind of range. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I gather, like, maybe sometimes... Did, you told me, I think, someone once thought oh, your voices were yeah. quite similar. And, it, it's, and, and they're really, they're not really, but mm. it's it's really interesting how people... Perceive uh, that, yeah. Perceive that. And not only that, but I get mistaken for Tracy Chapman all the time. <laughs> and when we met, when we met, we met a few years ago, uh-huh. and it was really funny because it was, she looked at me and she said, are you Melanie Damore? And I said, yeah, how did you know? It's just because people mistake me for you. <laughs> I said, well, it's, you know, turnabout, I guess. The same thing happens. That's how we very first met. So it's interesting that a lot of music that we're playing on tonight's show to illustrate these mm-hmm. deeper women's voices comes from the uh, Negro spiritual mm-hmm. canon. Mm-hmm. Is this just a coincidence or is there perhaps a reason why this repertoire lends itself particularly well to showing off the low female voice? Well, I think... Um, 
uh, you know, most of the people that I know really, really love singing women are African Americans mm-hmm. uh, and African American uh, uh, women. And there is a certain, I don't know, we just got this thing. There's a certain timbre that happens in our voices. If you listen to, if you listen to Linda Tillery's voice, there's that that certain color timbre that's in there. And I think that. For me, when I'm if I'm singing, uh, I mean I sing all kinds of things. But when I'm singing a, a spiritual, for me it, it it goes way beyond the voice. It's it's a it's connection to it's an ancestral thing. It's 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 I am giving voice to voice to people who didn't have one particularly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I feel this duty, this obligation to just go deep into deep into the song. Now, and you'll find that quality whether it's being sung by Marian Anderson mm-hmm. or Leontine Price or Kathleen Battle. These are all great African-American uh, opera singers. And sing- and that same richness of quality is there. I mean, if you hear Leontine Price sing, Oh Lord, How Come Me Here, which mm-hmm. is a deep, deep sorrow, sorrow song, you know that that's a sister singing that song. Mm-hmm. You know it. There's just, there's that cellular truth mm-hmm. that comes out of there. One thing that I'm fascinated by with regards to your work is the stuff that you do with transgendered people mm-hmm. and getting them to find their voices. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about your well, work with these people? Well, it, it came... Uh, just quite by accident, I'm um, adjunct faculty at CIIS in, here in San Francisco. I work with the uh, Creative Inquiry, on, and I work with the master's uh, candidates. And I taught a class last year. Uh, it's one of those intensive classes, you know, where you cram in like a whole semester in a weekend kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and you're just, by the time you leave, you're just, you know, you're, you're spaghetti. But um, uh, I was an amazing person in the class who was um had gone through the whole change after m and female to male female to male and i had a, i made an assignment one of the assignments was that each one of the participants had to write their own personal mantra you know everybody has a mantra you know so but to write one specifically for you mm-hmm. that you can call up whenever you need it because that's the incredible thing about music and about song is that you can completely change and reshape who you are with a simple melody, mm-hmm. much more than somebody yakking at you all the time. <laughs> so I, one of their assignments was to write one for themselves. Okay. So I get to this person, and all of a sudden he completely clams up. And I'm, huh, this is interesting. I said, what's going on? And he said, the only thing that I could relate to in my female body was my singing voice. And I haven't really sung at all since I've been through the change and started with all of the uh, uh, the hormones because I don't recognize my, my singing voice. And it was the one, that was a source of comfort for him wow. when he was in his female body. Huh. And that was a complete disconnect for him. Gosh, so what, then what did you do to well, help we him? Well, we got to, to really talking about it, and it was hard for him to grasp what had happened, and I said, well, one of the things is that you learned how to sing in a female body 
the production of the voice is very, very different. And so when you open your mouth, you're expecting to hear that voice that you know in your cells. But because of the hormones, the sound that comes out is a male sound. And the way that, that men hear sound is a little bit different. If I, sing a, if I sing with a bunch of guys, they're automatically, unless I tell them, they will sing an octave lower. And so he was not recognizing his, his voice. And there was such a sense of loss, and I could really tell that. And so I said, look, I can sing in the register, but you don't, I said, you use your ear and sing along with me. And so we slowly started to sing along so that, because part of the thing is getting past that, thinking that what you're making is an ugly sound because it's not the one that you're used to. And so it was an experience for him to be able to sing with someone else. And I thought that was really, really precious. And so, and there were other people in the class, so we all did it together, because part of the whole thing was to have the other people also sing your mantra to also help imprint it in your body. So by the end of our circular time together, he was singing, really singing. And I was thinking that one of the things that children, and we all do, is the comfort of when we're by ourselves is humming and singing. We do it quite naturally. And I know that for him that was a great source of comfort in that whole thing of being in a, in a body that was just not right. And to have that source of comfort, the one thing, be taken away was just astounding to me. And so I really wanted to give him the, the seed of knowing that Maybe I do have a voice. It's just different. It's not, it's not ugly. It's just different. And to give that energy of maybe I can develop this. And I have a theory that one of the most difficult things, whether it's F to M, M, uh, M to F, is the voice. And I think that one of the things that could really help is to approach it through singing, to really approach it through singing so that you, because... It has to do with melody and timbre and expression and all these other things. And if you can put that to, uh, melody to singing, I think it would really, really help because that's one of the biggest obstacles for people is finding that new speaking voice, whether it's, you know, with the hormones that makes your voice go higher or lower. And I think if we could do it through singing, that it would make that journey a little less hard. This evening's voice box, all about low singing women. We just heard Kiki Goma, a female vocalist with the leading Mongolian ensemble and the union, showing off her throat music skills. 
Melanie, can you throat sing? I at cannot, all? but I have a very strange voice. <sighs> Chloe, <laughs> it's been wonderful to be here with you. Okay, that that <laughs> that's an interesting version of throat singing. It comes from it's your chest. Really low down. <laughs> <laughs> so now, in addition to don't being, try that at home. Don't try that at home. <laughs> so I'm here in the studio, obviously, with the lovely Melanie Damore, uh, deep soul songstress extraordinaire, and I'm also lucky to have on the end of the phone line, direct from the East Coast, where he currently lives, Jeremy Faust. Jeremy is a choral conductor and singer who is currently studying medicine in New York. As part of his research, he's been looking at how singers produce this throat singing technique and has worked extensively with female vocalists who can throat sing. Hi, Jeremy. Are you there? Hi, Chloe. Thanks so much for making yourself available at this late hour. How are things on the East Coast? Uh, very nice. Uh, we're finally having spring and it's uh, good to be with you again. Fantastic. So can you tell us about your research into female throat singing technique? What form has your research taken and what have you discovered so far? So, you know, we've been really interested um, in learning, you know, to characterize how this is done in, from a physiological perspective. Um, a, lot of our, a lot of our data actually is from uh, acoustic data, and a lot of that's airflow, so with masks and mm-hmm. other, te- other techniques that we can capture airflow and, and a lot of the acoustic data. And that actually is really easy to do. It's just as simple as singing into a, into a kind of a, like a breathing mask. Uh, so that actually has been you know, fruitful in terms of getting to the bottom of whether it's healthy to do this and, and you know, how this is produced. Okay. Well, tell us, is it healthy to sing like this? I mean, and does it make a difference if you're a man or a woman attempting this technique? So, you know, anecdotally, we don't know if it's easier or harder for men or women. I think historically men have done this more often, mm-hmm. but I, I can tell you I've seen women learn this in a healthy way. And it, it might be a little bit easier for men, but so far I haven't, I haven't seen that. Um, so, yeah, and that, that's, that's one aspect. Uh, in terms of the health of it, we, we were able to get quite a lot of data on that. And, you know, one thing you look for um, is whether this, this sound is very harsh, the way, kind of like the way yelling would be. Mm-hmm. And something called soft phonation index is one way to tell if, if the folds are being, you know, if the, if the vocal folds, um, the vocal muscles are coming together well. And if they're coming together too hard or not enough, it can be outside of what's considered normal. And what we find in this technique is that it's, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a couple of the parameters, like a noise to harmonic uh, ratio, um, that's a little elevated. And I think that's because airflow is being changed. And we haven't really gotten into how the sound is produced. But one thing I can tell you is you're getting a little more turbulence mm-hmm. uh, in the airflow as it comes into the mouth. Okay, well how is the sound produced? So this is an area of great debate Mm -hmm. Um, and only very recently have we been able to sort of get a better idea. But the idea is when you sing a note, um, air is passing through the vocal folds. These are like the vocal cords as you call them and that sits on top of the trachea. And so the the vocal folds kind of come together you know, very quickly, and they cl- open and close in these rapid cycles. And then, um, you know, the pitch is controlled by a lot of different things, um, the shape of your mouth and how much muscle tension there is. Mm-hmm. But in this technique, what, what we know is that the false folds, these are like t- tissue above the true folds, um, are actually engaged. And so every other cycle, every other time air passes through the, um, the glottis, through these vocal muscles, um, every second cycle of this, it encounters a wall, basically because these, these false folds have come together. Mm. And so what happens is every other, every other cycle of air, um, it doesn't make it through. Oh. And so the effect of that is, is what's really debated. And so why should that change and so that you get this sort of lower sound, you get an octave lower, why would that be? 
And there's sort of, if you look at a basic, if you think of the vocal folds as kind of a spring, um, like a mass on a spring, you know, Newton's equations sort of start to get thrown around, and pretty soon you realize that the only things that could be affected are sort of the effective mass mm-hmm. of the muscles, and then the other thing would be like the period, how long each wavelength uh, lasts for. Mm-hmm. And so the question is when the sort of, when, when the dead end is reached, and air kind of gets, instead of air going through up into the mouth, it kind of gets re-diverted back downwards. Uh, what's the effect of that? And we don't know. It, it, it could be that it sort of it creates a higher pressure environment, which makes the vocal folds feel heavier, as if you were like on a heavier planet. Or it could be that the, 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 the wave itself has been interfered with. And we just don't know. All right. Well, it's totally fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on the phone, Jeremy, and sharing your expertise. It's great to talk about it. All right. Take care then. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cool breeze. Voicebox, and that was the legendary Peruvian singer Ima Sumac, a vocalist known as much for her looking glass shattering high whistle notes as she is for her gravelly low ones. The song was Taita Inti, or Virgin of the Sioux God, and it comes from Sumac's Voice of the Ixta Bay album. One thing I've noticed about some of the greatest women singers who can get really low is that they can also get really high. Ima mm-hmm. Sumac is a case in point. Melanie, we know from that stunt we pulled earlier tonight when we had you sing along with Paul Rose as he mm-hmm. performed Shenandoah that you can get right down there with the best of the guys uh-huh. but your voice extends pretty high upwards too right yeah. what's your high range like can you give us maybe a brief demo uh, let's see I wonder where the heart is yes I do <laughs> I, yes I do well, thank you so much for joining me in the studio tonight. It's been so fantastic chatting with you. Thank you. Anytime. To find out more about Melanie, please visit her website at www.melaniedemore.com. And thanks also to tonight's fabulous call-in guest, Jeremy Faust, for sharing his expertise about overtone singing in women with us. This episode of Voicebox was generously underwritten by Chorus America, building a dynamic and inclusive choral community so that more people are transformed by the beauty and power of choral singing. Chorus America's 34th annual conference is in San Francisco from June the 8th to the 11th. Join in the conference's free community sing with Chanticleer on Saturday, June the 11th at 2.15pm. Registration required at communitysingwithchanticleer.eventbrite.com. And I gather that tonight's guest, Melanie Damore, is going to be closely involved with this event, right, Melanie? Exactly. I am going to go and lead all of these choral teachers and choral singers in some singing. They will begin their day with me. (laughs) Lucky, lucky them. So I advise you all to get down there on uh, June the 11th in the afternoon to do some singing with Chanticleer and Melanie.
Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. The series producer is Seth Samuel, the web editor is Victoria Lim, and the membership and development director is John Bischoff. Voicebox can only exist with your support. To find out how you can become more involved with the project, including how to make a tax-deductible donation to keep us on the air, please visit our website at voicebox-media.org. Donating is easy and safe and, best of all, tax-deductible. If you just go onto our online PayPal link, you can do that right away. Check out our free weekly podcasts on iTunes and via voicebox-media.org and also visit our homepage at voicebox-media.org to mull over and respond to the question of the week. Please friend us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And you can also write to us anytime at info at voicebox-media.org or call us with your comments and questions at 415-841-4121 extension 3515. Next week, Voicebox takes a short break while KALW's eminent host, Alan Farley, presents the latest instalment of his wonderful documentary series all about Ira Gershwin. Voicebox will return to the airwaves the following Friday from 10 to 11pm as usual here on KALW. I'll play us out with one last track featuring tonight's in-studio guest, Melanie Damore. It's a duet between Melanie and the male singer Raz Kennedy, in which Melanie sings the bottom line and Raz is on the top. Here's the Jennifer Berezin song, In These Arms... Have a songful week. Yeah.